All right, that was The Strokes with Partners in Crime here on 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater. And I'm just going to remind all of you out there that 91.7 The Edge and UWW-TV have partnered to bring you Live on the Edge, a multimedia concert series. We're bringing you some of the best uh, music uh, acts of the local area, the up-and-comers. Tune in at 8 uh, p- 8 p.m. every other Thursday for in-studio performances and interviews. Well, it's that time again, folks. It's time for Comics Corner. I am your host, Jason Captain Comics, here today to let you guys, or to give you guys a bit more of an interesting, uh, a bit more of a philosophical, if you will. Not, not a religious philosophical. I'm not going to go that far. But an interesting philosophical debate that I think one can often raise when talking about superhero comics and just comics in general. The idea of, should heroes kill their villains? Let's be honest, there are a lot of nasty people in this world, and yes, you know, a very few of them actually do get the death penalty in today's justice system, However, in the land of tights and masks and superpowers, you very rarely even see that that go that far unless it's a big event crossover comic or a hero's push too far over the edge or it's a 90s image comic where as much as I respect what image was trying to do, a lot of it was a lot of gun-toting, big-shouldered, and big, you know, uh, patch-wearing goons, basically mercs for hire, going out and trying to, well, solve crime with guns. Now, these are not inherently in and of themselves bad things. I mean, why do you think Deadpool is so popular? But he's never been marketed either as a superhero, especially if you watch the movie. They'll insistently tell you he's not a superhero. He's just a guy who wants to be cool in in many respects of the imagination and just have fun with life in a zany way. But for every Deadpool, there's characters that do have legitimate reasons slash villains you would think that would make them want to go kill a villain, but they don't. Think of the immense rogues gallery of Batman. How many of them them are willing to commit murder at the drop of the hat just for funsies? The Joker in particular springs to mind. And yet Batman does almost absolutely nothing to stop him. Sure, he puts him in Arkham Asylum. Sure, he always beats him up and goes after him with really big vigor, but it never really does anything. The Joker is beyond psychiatric help, it would seem. Heck, he even made one of his psychiatrists, Harley Quin- Harleen Quinzel, a.k.a. Harley Quinn, fall in love with him. That's the kind of sway this guy has and how deep he is into his own psychotic psychosis. Try saying that three times fast. But I digress. Sort of. Because seriously, it's one of the main reasons why I was intrigued by the premise of injustice, God's God's among us, when the whole basis, the whole Kickstarter of the thing was the Joker murdering millions in Metropolis 
and Batman's reasoning behind it being that he would put Joker behind the biggest padded cell they could find. And even Superman, who's usually calm, collected, not prone to anger, said that's never worked before and it's not going to work again. And to the point where the Joker even points out the flaw in Batman's logic himself during the comic in the opening issues, stating how it's basically basically pointless he'll break out and he'll do another big scheme that basically murders more innocent people bull and it takes superman killing him in that comic which admittedly is non-canon in the dc universe but killing him to turn him into an evil dictator now is that to say that you know heroes would when pressed with the choice to kill their fellow low mutant or kill a costume crazy that they'd automatically turn into a tyrannical despot like superman does in that comic no not necessarily but it does raise a bit of an interesting question because you see marvel's equivalent of arkham asylum strikers island while able to contain mutants isn't that much better in arkham asylum if you haven't read any of the comics it's just as laughable as it is, as you think it is, considering how many times you've heard of the Batman, a Batman fighting Joker, or just how many new crazies seem to crop up at the inspiration of fighting Batman for some reason. Seriously, that place has revolving doors, I swear. It's, it's insanity how many times select, not even select villains, just any villain is able to get out of there out of there and it's definitely not hard to see why considering even when they try to make it make modern upgrades to the facility it's not exactly a very recontained facility if you will sure it's on an island but the same thing could be said about guantanamo bay and you know what the only thing that we've got to say that that's secure is the word of the american soldiers that work there I admit, I'm stretching with that last one. I'm not even going to begin to compare Arkham, Arkham Asylum, a fictional place, to Guantanamo Bay, a real prison. I'm just trying to draw some line of comparison here so you'll understand what I'm saying when, and when you realize that, yeah, these places that harbor dangerous criminals exist, and in comics, they're kind of crappy. They really don't do their jobs very well. But even ignoring the very poor prison system as an excuse as to why Batman, say, could, you know, be justified in murdering the Joker and saying that, you know, he's done with all of this, that he doesn't want the Joker threatening any more innocent people. Well, there's also the question of just how does somebody believe in their moral compass? How is it shifted? How does it change? What changes it? Well, for most people, one could argue that, again, it's the old either a traumatic event or a freak accident occurs. It's happened with pretty much almost any DC superhero. Whereas in the case of Marvel, it's just the government's usually pretty evil and they've exploited and used people with mutant technology, with, with mutant technology or mutant capabilities since, well... I don't know, really a long time, I suppose. 
But then again, that's a completely it's a completely different kind of dichotomy Marvel and DC in that regard too. Because Marvel generally actually has heroes that will kill. Sure, they're not labeled as heroes, but they do tend to kill to achieve their means. Heck, that's pretty much the entire point behind the Punisher. The idea that he basically goes out and judges people his own way, own way, basically taking out his frustrations at the world out on criminals. And criminals with, that commit big offenses, too. It's not like the Punisher's off capping shoplifters. He'll usually go after the biggest and baddest gangsters, the ones with the lowest of low moralities. And in many ways, one could say that, is the Punisher really justified in doing what he's doing? Isn't the Punisher just as bad, even though he claims to be doing it for some vigilante justice? Isn't he in turn derive or completely becoming what he despises the most, what he's set out to destroy in many ways? It's a bit of a headcanon moment if you take it your time to think about it. I mean, seriously, how many of the problems in superhero comics mix could be solved if a major villain was taken out of the picture completely by a hero as opposed to relying on a prison system or just the ability that maybe they will be so defeated by the one battle that even if they're not caught they won't simply come back that's happened plenty of times too in comics in fact it happens just as much if not more than getting than these villains getting incarcerated well okay i say that but that's only because a lot of these these villains sometimes live on alternate planes of reality and such. But then again, comic books are weird where pretty much anything goes. And, you know, sometimes up is down, down is forward. And, well, Tuesday, is, which is today, is actually Saturday. You know, that kind of zaniness that just tends to apply for day-to-day -day logic. But that's not necessarily to say that it's all, you know, okay or anything like that. I mean, in all honesty, it does make me wonder why certain characters, based on their motivations and backstory, don't take action. They Why they don't end up killing repeat offenders. Yeah, I mean, I'm not completely sociopathic to the degree where I'll say, oh, this guy committed a crime, he should go, that Batman should go the route of the Punisher and cap every petty crim, with his with his massive kung fu skills, snapping necks and like and the like. What I am saying is, what has Batman actually achieved? What have su what have Superman actually achieved in his fight against certain villains? What do superheroes initially achieve? Do they actually get anywhere by stopping the villain of the day? Sure, they save the world, but. What about the collateral damage? The old the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few is a nice idea in theory, especially when, you know, it's actually a reality factor of life that sometimes a few people actually have to be sacrificed so that the great majority of people can lead happy existences. 
you know, it's not fair because, you know, there are psychological and physical scarring that goes on from such people sacrificing so much. And in many ways, you know, the people can be ungrateful. Just ask the veterans of the war, uh, our veterans, who many of whom can say that they are honestly underappreciated by society. Ask the Marvel Universe, who will save the... So, excuse me, who will save civilians on a day-to-day basis, and yet there will be people like J. Jonah Jameson calling for their heads with Spider-Man. Yeah, I know it's part of a character arc, but seriously, Marvel does have some pretty ungrateful civilians when it comes to superheroics. Again, and then again, the fact that they're, you know, in an area that they're constantly dealing with warring mutants and... You know, crazy people who with God complexes like Dr. Doom doesn't exactly help help either. It's just the kind of tightrope act. It's the kind of thing where it's like, when is enough enough and it's time for a change? When should the Batman snap and break the Joker's neck? When should Superman say that for as many jobs and people that Lex Luthor employs... He's a plague for trying to continually destroy Superman and therefore the city that he claims to protect. Or what about, you know, the Incredible Hulk? A guy who in many ways just wants to live in peace, yet is constantly being pushed in different directions by the government thanks to a curse that he was forced to create for them in many in many versions of his origin, not his, you know, original origin, mind you, Jew. But still, even then, when is enough enough? When should a hero snap and kill a villain? Should they ever? I don't honestly know if there's a right answer to this question, although I do know there is a wrong answer to this question. It's the kind of answer that says is that heroes can't have any shade of gray to them. They always have to be black and white. They always have to be boiled down to good versus evil. It's part of the reason why heroes, why anti-heroes like the Punisher and Deadpool, and if you want to take into account the various characters from Image, Image Comics succeeded. They're characters that have gray moralities. They know what's right. They know what's wrong, but sometimes to achieve what they feel is right, and in many eyes, what, and in many people's eyes, what actually does turn out to be right is in fact morally wrong. It's one of those questions where you sit there and you look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, if I had to look myself in the face after realizing that I had to stop a madman from detonating a bomb that was going to kill millions, and the only way he would relent was if I shot him dead, would you be able to look yourself in the morning and say that you did the right thing? Most people would say yes, but a lot of comic book superheroes and comic book fans view this as a negative trait to have. The idea that there's not, that there's always got to be another way. And it's admirable. In many ways, it is admirable. Trying to find the best in people and not trying to be so bleak. 
And maybe if comic books weren't so fantastical, maybe if the elements of science and time and space weren't often assaulted by the ludicrousness of them, maybe these ideas could actually be explored on a more wholesome level, or at the very least, a more realistic level. Of course, that's not to say that it hasn't been done, or that there aren't going to be potential books that do challenge these types of ideals. And in many ways, as much as I hate to hate to admit it, there are people, especially when it comes to Frank Miller, he actually does write Batman in this much of the same way of this regard. Back in the day, he wrote about a Batman defeated by the world, going to extreme lengths to pretty much ensure the very to ensure the very safety of the people that he was sworn to protect so long ago. So don't say I can't say anything nice about Frank Miller because as much as his later Batman works and comic works tend to delve into the racist and the misogynist and the overall just very, very poor, he at least at one point in time understood Batman and was able to write very interesting, morally conflicting stories about him like The Dark Knight Returns. But even with all that aside, it's a question that I pose to you, a moral quandary. And it's one that has been around as long as comics and will probably be around as long as, well, comics or any form of fiction where there's supposed to be a hero and not even a super-powered one, but just somebody that has to stand up for what's right and wrong. Think of your traditional action hero thinking about the idea that, you know, maybe he'd gun down every random thug, but could he really gun down the person that was responsible for everything that was done to him? And I'm not talking the renegade, oh, I must kill everybody to get my daughter, son, wife, etc. back. I'm talking about the ones, you know, the cop dramas, the one where somebody doesn't necessarily break the rules and they're kind of forced into this situation and they realize that they are still good inside. Their morality still matters to them. But they're, you know, fighting the urge to kill or take another life. It's really deep and heavy stuff. Admittedly, these themes may be lost on comic books. But I still say that even if the medium itself is silly and generally doesn't, you know, necessarily inspire, you know, the greatest sense of realism... I still believe that you can actually tell deep and and amazing stories. And heck, I'm not even saying that that hasn't already been done already or won't be done again. I'm just pointing out something that I've noticed in my time of reading comics. I'm sure you have too. In any event, let's get back to some music. I'll give you guys some time to digest that. Here's the Delta Spirit with Bushwick Blues here on 91.7 The Edge. We have amazing power at our fingertips. With great power comes great responsibility. So check out your alternative hotspot at tuneinradio.com. 91.7 The Edge, WSUW Whitewater.
one of neon jumpsuits and all kinds of reverb to every single song, what do you get? If you guess the 1980s, you are correct. If you love names like Michael Jackson, Prince, and Madonna, then tune in on Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. to join Signe Trewin in her show, Back to the 80s, where you will revisit American pop culture during the 1980s, only on 91.7 The Edge.
All right, that was Black Rebel Motorcycle Club with Let the Day Begin here on 91.7 The Edge. I would just like to give a bit of a um, a opportunity to explain, uh, or I should say to promote um, an organization here on UW-Whitewater campus that I am involved with. Um, it is called... Uh, the, it is called the um, Delta Alpha Phi Honor Society, uh, and it is uh, runs here on campus. It's um, one of it, it's a honor society. It's not a fraternity. Um, if you are connected through CSD, um, you know the Center for uh, Students with Disabilities, um, and you're looking for a group uh, people that rewards you with, uh, you know. Uh, an intelligent group of people that, you know, uh, are trying to make things better for people with disabilities in terms of like the current generation. Uh, you want to meet new people. Uh, you know, uh, you want to be rewarded for your hard academic work, uh, and your successes. Um, as well as, you know, just, uh, you know, and also build a resume while also just generally getting to meet, uh, you know, uh, people who again do have your best interests, um, at, you know, or, well, not your complete best interest. Uh, this is one's getting away from me. Um, if you want a group that cares deeply about you and you want to get involved with it, um, I highly recommend you get involved with, uh, the, uh, with the, uh, Delta Alpha Phi Honor Society. Um, if you are qualified, uh, for it, you have to be involved with CSD, but, uh, you know, if you want more information, drop over to CSD and please, uh, you know, uh, if it interests you, um, uh, looking for more members, it's a growing organization here on campus. So, uh, that is all I have to say about that. I'm not going to shell uh to or spend too much time uh shilling for that anymore um on today's edition i was gonna now follow up with what i had talked about earlier and that being the idea that um comic characters um you know they, they seem hesitant to kill unless their character calls for it and i'm talking about of course they're the heroes not the villains the villains will kill almost at will um so that brings to mind another uh, interesting uh, question, a moral quandary, if you will, that I'm sure some people are probably have thought of when they read comic books. And that's probably something along the lines of does uh, anything the characters do matter? And I'm sh and the reason why I'm at I, I why I bring this up is. This is from the perspective of a comic fan who will, who may stop reading comics at some point or has stopped reading comics at some point in their life. And they pick up a brand new number one issue of a book with the same title. And comic companies do this all the time. And in fact, I, I noticed it myself. In fact, the only reason why it's kind of, uh, hard or easy to forgive or it's, why you will end up forgiving the stuff is because they generally have a copyright date printed uh, on the each individual issues. And if they're trade paperbacks, they generally come with labels. But for the most part, there's no distinguishing, 
you know, on the outside, if you ask somebody, have you read Spider-Man number one, for example, the or the amazing Spider-Man number one even, that name has been used so many times that there's like, I think, at least four or five different number ones for that book title alone in like the last 30 years. And I could be wrong on the specifics of that, but it's still pretty much the point is the same. So the question then becomes, when a con- is there a reason to care? Because, you know, what, what I'm getting at is comic companies will reboot characters. They'll write new stories after they, you know, have told continuous stories for so long. And you know what? In, in many ways, I do understand why. I do understand why comics get rebooted. There comes a point where you almost cross that point of no return in the storytelling process where unless you completely redo everything or you introduce a completely new element to make it unique again or, 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 you know, conclude one character's story and make it about another character who has similar powers, you're generally speaking going to be circling the drain eventually. This kind of thing has happened with many a characters. And it sometimes leads to interesting spin-offs. And in fact, many characters have actually graduated out of the series that they were spawned from, while the series themselves seem to maintain similar names. For example, Dick Grayson isn't still Robin, at least not in many universe, many universe tales. In fact, it's debatable as to who the current Robin is right now. Because, well, there's so many different Robins that have been taking place in the DC Universe. Now, granted, I can tell you who Robin isn't today. It's not Jason Todd, because he's his own character now. And as I've mentioned before, he's a tool. So, I guess, good for him that he's not Robin anymore. But seriously, I mean, there have been so many different avenues that are opened up by reboots... So the question, I guess, is a little bit moot because it's almost like, would these stories exist without comics being rebooted or restarted over at a number one cycle, even if, you know, said number one doesn't go full circle with the origins tale and, you know, telling everything from completely the beginning or trying to rewrite and reinvent the character because... I'll be perfectly honest, most books don't do that when they come out with new number ones. They generally continue some sort of character arc that was left over, over from another book. Now, this isn't always the case, and I'll be the first to admit that sometimes this is where comic reading gets confusing. It's not just the issue numbering and when the issues come out and the year they come out and the fact that there's always tie-ins and events that could happen at any given year that can often throw, you know, monkey wrenches into whatever book you're currently reading by making you need to read everything else except for the book that you're currently reading so that you can understand what you're currently reading about right now. But that being said... There, Like I said, there are some advantages to rebooting a book or restarting the titles at number one. Now, it doesn't always work. And believe me, I wish that there were some t- books that didn't get rebooted at number one. And many a times, it's not even the creator's fault. 
this is the weird thing about comics. Editors have so much control. And in many regards, I dare say, if writers actually told half the stories that they wanted to tell, comics would be much more interesting and diverse. It would certainly feel a lot less streamlined. The bad ideas wouldn't seem so bad and rushed because they're usually pushed by the editors who, admittedly, some of them do have writing experience, but they don't get paid to write anymore. People like Dan DiDio at DC and Joe Casada at Marvel, they don't get paid to write anymore. They get paid to watch someone else write and then edit their work. Okay, actually, I stand corrected. Joe Casada is no longer the editor-in-chief at Marvel. It's Axel Alonso. But you get the idea, right? It's the same principle. Principle. And I'm not against the writer who... A writer who's got editing backgrounds or an editor who wants to write. Just be sure that you're not writing everything the way you want it to without having another editor look it over. And we're getting completely off track. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is... Is it is it harder for comics fans to get invested? Is it... Is it impossible to care at each and every single point of a comic when you know that just as easily as it starts, it could be rebooted? It could be killed, the character could be killed off all because of declining viewer readership or a varying other degree of reasons that only the corporate big heads care about. I mean, let's face it, there's a big difference between characters like Spawn, who have an, had an ongoing series for nearly 300 issues, albeit not monthly like most, most big comics have been. There's been quite a few breaks in between Spawn's timeline, admittedly. And Spider-Man, who admittedly, while there have been some books that have made it up to the 400s for crying out loud, like Amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man or, yeah, or just, you know, The Web Slinger. Or, uh, that's not actually a book title, but you know what I mean, right? For every single, for every book that doesn't make it past 20 issues, there are another comics that have actually continued into the 500s. Seriously, that's action comics for you, which focus mostly on Superman stories. And it admittedly, in theory, can be done. The stories don't have to stop. But here are my two big reasons as to why they reboot these books and why comic fans feel so apathetic at times, Ames, that they feel like they want to drop a book after, after they spend so much time with it beforehand. It's not that they don't want to stop reading. It's because they feel that their time has been ultimately fulfilled but wasted. They feel as if the character has been chucked to the side and that everything that happened to them, character development, whether they got married, had a girlfriend, met a new enemy, if that stuff carries over into the next volume of comics in the anthology of this great hero or in certain cases, villain or anti-hero, that's fine. People can live with that. But there are those issues that just never get resolved. There are those comics that get left to sit on the shelves and rot. They never get looked at again. 
or if they do, they're rebooted and their issue and the issues that were raised in the last set of comics are just ignored. A new story is written and told and the rest of it is generally ignored. Now this could b- honestly just be because comic canon is one of the most tricky things, key things that I swear it or to you that it, I'm surprised that the space-time continuum doesn't collapse whenever people try to talk about continuity in comics. It's that thick and complex, folks. But at the same time, can you really blame somebody, the, the, the writers for wanting to start fresh with a clean slate? It's a, it's another one of those double-edged swords. You know that the writers deep down probably do care about the characters. And in many ways, the editors feel that in order for the book to remain interesting, it has to be rebooted as a new volume. If other plot elements carry over and characters are introduced and brought back, so be it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they always will. So it's more of the or less a buyer's beware in terms of comics. Now, there are certain things that we can almost always count on. The idea that Superman is the last Kryptonian, even if other storylines will have other Kryptonians be involved in his books for a time being. The idea that Batman is a detective, and without a doubt probably the world's greatest. The idea that Iron Man stands for stands for technological advancement advancement and it's just as big a playboy as Bruce Wayne is he is although admittedly he has a bit more charisma in many ways than Bruce Wayne the idea that Hulk that the Hulk will always be unleashed at the sign of rage whether it's his loved ones being hurt or innocents being tortured these are the things that we can stick to the origin stories, the characters, and many, in many regards, the background motivations that are given for them. The only thing that you have to fear is Elseworlds Tales. And in the end of the day, Elseworlds Tales very rarely reflect the continuity of regular comics. So at the end of the day, it's actually kind of a moot point. The only reason why you should, why you might not care is because, simply put, the books are just too many. There's simply too many comic books for anyone to read in one lifetime. But at the same time, the same thing can be said for videos on the internet, TV shows, movies, video games, any form of entertainment. You may be able to read one author, heck, one subject matter, because but at the end of the day, even if you read Every single book on Superman or Spider-Man or the X-Men that's ever been printed, there will always be those discrepancies. There will always be printing thing of different volumes, brand new number ones, and retcons that either stick or they don't. It's annoying, but it's fact. And the fact is, is that while you can consume it, almost all of it, the fact is, is that you can't consume everything that surrounds it. You would just implode trying to keep everything that has ever been written about a comic book, and that goes for a company, not just a char- not just a character in check.
it's nearly impossible. So the question then becomes, do you gain investment in just select few characters, or do you just overall read what you want and read what you don't? I can't answer the question. My personal philosophy is, is unless the unless explicitly stated that a new number one is going to be a rebranding origin or a new event has recently shaken up the entire continuity of a company, I treat a new number one as a continuation of character development that occurred in previous volumes of work. It doesn't always work like that, mind you, but most of the time it does even with books of the same name. And that, my friends, is what makes comics truly interesting, that something with the same name and the same label on it can somehow 20 years later be so vastly different than something with literally the same name and the same number. It's one of those things that comics fans will probably never really truly understand and, like myself, will probably never truly like the idea that we just can't have continuing book title, book title numbers, like we're going to run out of numbers for comic books, McBooks, at some point. But the simple fact of the matter is, is even with that little nitpick aside, there's still plenty of reason to get invested in comic books they may the stories reason the characters and the settings may change but as long as you truly care about the medium your love for it will not all right i'm gonna get you guys a bit of a break uh first of all let me first announce that 91.7 the edge and uww tv have partnered to bring you live on the edge a multimedia concert series we're bringing you some of the best lo- up-and-coming local music acts tune in at 8 p.m every other thursday for in-studio performances and interviews yes i know i have done two uh commercial-ish things in uh, a single radio broadcast uh so you know or forgive me for that and want for doing that twice in one segment anyways here is the crooks with i want to waste my time on you here on 91.7 the edge wsuw whitewater
Now, Tom, have you heard about the new hip radio station, 91.7 The Edge? 91 y 7. Es un buen radio emisora. You're listening to 91.7 The Edge. We got a caller on the line. Caller, go right ahead. Man, I love 91.7 The Edge. Live on it, yeah!
All right, that was Little Hurricane with full lead back here on 91.7 The Edge. All right, let's talk a little bit. <clears throat> let's actually talk a little bit uh, more on the lighter side of things. No more philosophical questions for the day, I promise. But I must admit that it is actually kind of nice to get these, uh, l- these, uh, you know, these intellectual, uh, you know, questions out there because I think that a lot of people, you know, you know, they don't ask these questions when they talk about a medium that they really like when it comes to the comics or video games or, you know, just general entertainment. And I know that I'm sure some people listening to this broadcast have probably said that. You know, this doesn't really matter. They're still very, uh, you know, they're still dudes in spandex with, uh, you know, unrealistic superpowers that, you know, will generally punch each other so hard that one minute they'll fly across the room and and the next they'll barely knock one another down. Yeah, it's true. My comics and physics aren't exactly what you'd call actually good friends, but I dare to say that, you know, that these questions shouldn't be asked. I think that the, um, one, one time you, you don't ask a question that's, you know, like, actually kind of, you know, stupid, or I should say, the moment you stop asking, you know, the smart questions is the moment you start asking the stupid ones. And if the, s- the smart questions just so happen to be philosophical and not necessarily, you know, require an answer, then well, that's perfectly fine. It's just, you know, I'd rather have the questions out there than not. Now, with all that said, I personally would like to think that uh, comics uh, have taken uh, a bit of an interesting turn here right now. Um, I personally... I'm not watching a lot of the TV shows that are currently going on right now uh, regarding comics, so there are a lot, and I mean a lot, seriously, like, more than there ever been in any time. Like, you go back to the, you know, the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk days when they were parodying, or when they were parodying, when they were uh, piloting and one-offing several Marvel uh, characters in particular, even back then, there weren't as many uh, superhero movies and television shows as there are now. I mean, jeez, where to begin? I mean, consider the fact that the longest-running one now is actually Arrow. And that's that's actually kind of funny to me, to think that Arrow is probably the most sane and down-to-earth of all of the comic book characters that are is currently on TV or Netflix or whatnot. And yet it's still the longest running one, go figure, because it's, you know, just a guy named Oliver Queen who happens to have impeccable archery skills and is also the mayor of the city, go figure. I mean, then there's The Flash, there's Daredevil, there's, uh, there's Lucifer, as I've talked about in the past on the show, um, which I haven't actually watched, um, much more of, although I will say the snarky humor of... You know what? I actually want to get this name right. Forgive me for a second here, folks, while I go over to the most handy tool of any any uh, 21st century show, Google, the aid of all sorts of shows uh, nowadays, I'm sure. And uh, let's see. Uh, um, excuse me. Um, anyways, actually, I shouldn't, 
Ah, Tom Ellis, yes. Yeah, Tom Ellis is still doing an amazing job from what I have seen, like, in the ads and everything. Like, I haven't been watching the show at all, but he's doing pretty good for himself. Like, he definitely fits that character pretty well. Um, um, so I, I will say that going forward for him. Um, let's see, what else is there? Uh, Gotham starting back up. I believe it's back on its second week of its... Still on its second season. It feels like Gotham's been going on far longer than that. And actually, now that I think about it, I stand corrected. Walking Dead is actually the longest-running comic TV show because it was a comic far before it was a uh, TV show. And ironically enough, it was published by Image Comics, who at that time were still, you know, publishing books like Youngblood and stuff, too, alongside. So a very eclectic time, if you will, for Image Comics when... Uh, the Walking Dead was introduced to the full. Um, let's see, what else do we have? We got uh, Agent Carter. Uh, we've got Jessica Jones. Marvel's got a lot of shows right now too, so that's that's kind of funny to think about. Um, we've got is Agents of Shield still on the air? I, th- I don't think it's on the. I don't think Agents of Shield is still on the air. Actually, it's been. I don't keep up with TV nearly as much. Like it really has to be. Like, something that I absolutely must want to see. Which is kind of funny when, you know, you consider that um, I, like, you know, I like shows, or I've been watching shows that are, like, you know, by today's standards, like, why would you even care about them right now? Because, like, I just got done watching The X-Files, and I'm currently in the progress of watching, you know, The X-Files, you know, uh, for the most part. Ah, yes, uh, The Avengers, uh, or I should say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it's still going on. Okay. All right, I was, uh, was curious about that. I hadn't seen any promos for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, for a third season, so it's my bad. I mean, but seriously, and then you've got a, you've got Supergirl, you've got, uh, I believe it's Legends of D.C., if I'm not mistaken, on the CW. So between the CW, Fox, and CBS, you've got more and enough comic shows to digest, uh, comic-based superhero shows to digest, and then you add to the fact that, you know, you got Daredevil on Netflix and stuff, I mean, it's been a great time to be a comic fan, admittedly, and I will, I will also admit that I'm glad that they're not going for the lowest common denominator with these shows, because, I like, you know, the easy decision would be, make a show about Batman, make a show about Superman, make a show about Wonder Woman. Although, or, or, you know, or in the case of Marvel, you know, make a show about the X-Men, make a show about Spider-Man, but you know what? I think they realize that those shows are actually, you know, like, you know, we see them so much in the movies now, we give, like, two hours of our, and a half hours of our lives away to see so many of these iconic characters that it's kind of nice to see some of these, you know, uh, equally recognizable characters, yet uh, not necessarily ones that get the spotlight you know, completely shown on them in the way, you know, that, you know, like a Batman, a Spider-Man, a Superman does in regular, you know, comic form, or not comic form, but, you know, just in regular media form. So, it's a pretty good time to be a comic fan when you're watching uh, the various forms of media. And I do know that this month, Superman versus Batman comes out too. I will not go see it. That's I've made my reasons as to why I'm not going to go see it pretty clear. And if uh, you need a refresher, here's why. I don't necessarily like the idea of Ben Affleck being introduced as Batman 
and his first major appearance as the character is him fighting Superman, who's only doing his second movie. The actor is playing Superman. Uh, again, his name escapes me, which is embarrassing, but still, you know, he's only doing his second movie, too. And then you've also got the introduction of Lex Luthor in the cinematic universe, too, with, you know, uh, with, you know, Jesse Eisenberg. And then you've also got, you know, they're trying to keep, you know, Lawrence Fishburne and Amy Adams involved, too, you know, on the Superman side. And then you've got to introduce, you know, Batman's supporting cast, too. It's just going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to try and squeeze into one movie. I don't think the idea of a Superman versus Batman movie, the way that they want it to go, is a bad idea. That's not what I've objected to. I think it's a stupid idea from a perspective of that in the comics, while they butt heads from time to time, Superman and Batman are actually best friends in many regards. You know, uh, they, they butt heads probably just because they care so much about the people they protect more than any actual professional animosity for each other, you know, and, you know, their other, and when it comes to them and other tight-wearing, you know, superheroes. So that's not the issue. I'm not against the idea that, you know, they're going to change, you know, the dynamic between Superman and uh, Batman for the sake of a singular movie that will probably by the end having them, you know, holding hands side by side and, you know, raising each other's arms in victory while Luthor is carted off to jail. That's not what I'm saying that I object to. I'm saying that I, it feels like too much is going to be tried and made with too little. Like, uh, they're going to try and throw Batman in, and yes, I know they've had the Batman movies with... You know, Christopher Nolan recently, in like literally the last decade, in fact, actually more like the last five years, is when all those movies have come out. And I think the part of the problem is, is that it's it's actually the actor change of Ben Affleck, too, because I think in changing him, if I'm not mistaken, changing Batman, they've actually changed like a majority of Batman's supporting cast from the Christopher Nolan movies, too, which is part of my problem. It's like... You know, why do you have to change absolutely all the characters, uh, you know, in this in this movie for it to be absolutely, you know, necessary for it to, you know, be, you know, a hit movie or a good movie? It's kind of weird when you think about it, really. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, I think I actually read uh, that, oh yeah, here it is. I actually remember reading this in an interview, and I'm actually glad I Googled this. Um, Zack Snyder, the director who's done a lot of these superhero movies, he did state that uh, he took inspiration from Dark Knight Returns Frank Miller, which I gotta admit, if you're going to take inspiration from a Frank Miller Batman book, thank goodness you're taking it from probably the, uh, one of the only arguably good ones that he's that left as, you know, that is still the test of time in terms of, you know, what it means to Batman. Um, and that's going to follow an original premise in that regard. But that it's not going to be in any way related to the previous Batman uh, film trilogy. And that's what worries me. It's like, uh, you know, why does, why do you have to uh, do the Christian Bale uh, you know, why, what's wrong with Christian Bale? Why can't he be brought back as Batman for the sake of the fact that, you know, yes, I understand that he, 
uh, you know, is not necessarily what am I what I'm trying to say. You know, I know you're trying to establish a new universe. I know you're trying to do something new. You're trying to continue things. But seriously, what is the point? Why do you need to do that? That's the problem I'm having here. I'm, I'm really, you know, grasping at straws, trying to figure out what the point of uh, putting this new, uh, you know, Batman, putting Ben Affleck in his Batman. What does it accomplish? What does it accomplish when it could just easily be Christian Bale and his assorted Batman cast? And you guys should probably be saving uh, the movie goers a lot of headaches because, like I said, if it's not related to the previous Dark Knight movies, we're just going to be assuming that it's going to be basic Batman story logic, that it's going to be, you know, the whole death of the parents thing, that stuff's going to be rushed through because we won't have enough time to go through that. And it's going to focus a lot on Bruce Wayne as the human being, I'm sure. And that's fine. It's just, like I said, I don't have a lot of interest in seeing a one-sided thing where, where the fighting isn't one-sided, but the character development is. Because they're going to have to rush out so much character development for this movie's Batman that they're going to just rely on what was already established for uh, Henry Cahill. I mean, I actually managed to look that up. Uh, super, his Superman in Man of Steel. And, you know, all of his supporting cast from that movie. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, depending on who you ask, they weren't given much character development anyways. But, uh, I mean, still, that's just an opinion, really. Um, I'm going to give you guys one last musical break, and when I come back, I will give you guys the new releases and some assorted news for the day. In the meantime, here's Mr. Wife's with Vagabond here on 91.7 The Edge. Red. 
got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier.
Alright, that was Gary Barker Jr. with Numb here on 91.7 The Edge. Alright, let's get you guys some comic news and your weekly previews of, or weekly previews, uh, what's coming out this week, I should say. And by this week, I mean tomorrow, because I just so happen to terribly time the schedule of this show. Seriously, if I could do it on a Wednesday, I would! <laughs> Anyways, I don't. Um, Alright, so it looks like Tank Girl, uh, for those of you who uh, enjoyed the reboot of the classic zany comic, uh, Tank Girl, which got a 90s, uh, 1990s comic movie alongside the likes of Barbed Wire, which, ironically enough, Barbed Wire and Tank Girl both came back around the same time, with their original creators rewriting comics after their movies pretty much bombed and killed their comic series. Coincidence? I think not, but I digress. Uh, it's gonna be a new... Uh, let's see, uh, does it say how many issues here? Uh, no, it doesn't say how many issues, although the next issue is, uh, it's going to be a miniseries, uh, following up on the, um, Tank Girl, uh, the Tank Girl reboot, if you will, or reimagining, and it's a very cute and clever pun, uh, called Two Girls, One Tank. That's the subtitle for Tank Girl. And if you don't know what that means, you're probably too young, or, and you probably shouldn't anyways. I know, I personally just know by name, and I haven't actually seen the thing that they're parodying, and even then it makes me shudder. Um, anyways, um, and the other p- interesting piece of news here, if I can get to it, screen frozen, must... Uh, it's screen frozen here. Sorry, folks. I'd like to actually read this other news story because it actually gave me a pitiful laugh. <laughs> if it'll actually load today, um, come on. Um. Anyways, beautiful weather here today, folks. Um, I'm trying to kill the time here before I can while I'm waiting for this article to load. Ah. One problem with the internet, folks, you depend on it too much and you're left with nothing. If, uh, at some times. Uh, looks like I might not be able to give you guys any, uh, any previews and stuff at all if, uh, the browser doesn't work here. Technical difficulties. Um, anyways, I guess I don't really have too much more to add on the st- uh, add on today's uh, topic uh, of uh, comics and news and other stuff like that. I'd like to thank all of you for joining me here today for Comics Corner, wherever you may be. And uh, I hope that you all enjoy this lovely weather while it still is around. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be. If you want to get involved with the show... All you gotta do is, well, actually I shouldn't say all you've gotta do, but if you wanna get involved with the show, uh, please feel free to like us, uh, to like the Facebook page that we've got established for the show here. Um, it's Comics Corner, it's a community Facebook page. I post episode recaps mostly, but, um, it's also a forum for you guys if you wanna ask me some questions. Uh, related to comics, and I'll answer them on the show. Uh, you know, I, I keep throwing that offer out there, and people, I guess, don't want to send me questions because they're afraid I'm going to give them the plague or something. 
We're also available now on iTunes in the podcast section alongside Hawk Talk uh, and Stay Woke and other great 91.7 The Edge products. So uh, you can download if you miss this episode. Um, and you can listen to me ramble as well as the music that uh, we used uh, to pad out my ramblings so that I could catch a breath and you guys could let your brains rest at the same time. So, you know, all good stuff to keep in mind. I enjoy uh, having you guys uh, with me in the studio, uh, metaphorically speaking, of course, because, you know, you're not really here. And I am a rambling, rambling, rambling for no good reason. So I will end with this note, this note uh, from a quote, if you will, from one of Batman's comics, a comic by the name of Batman Fortunate Son. Punk is nothing but death, rage, and the crime of a beast, in reference to rock and roll. Because there was a comic at one point when Batman thought that fighting rock and roll was worth his time. Not even kidding, folks. But hey, that's comics. This is Jason, Captain Comics, signing off for this edition of Comics Corner. I'll see you guys here. Same time, same channel, new story. Here's Love Skills with Luna here on 91.7, or here, here's Luna with Love Skills here on 91.7 The Edge.